Daily Dribble. Back to the Daily Dribble Podcast, guys. As always, I'm your host, Nick Zamet, here back with another massive episode. We're recording on, a, on the little uh, Saturday morning time slot. Just mixing it up from our normal routine, but for very good reason. Uh, you might have noticed I'm doing this one solo this week. That being because our main man, Lee, celebrated his 22nd birthday as of yesterday. Um, so a big shout out to the main man there. Um, so Rowan Lee, having the week off, continuing the birthday celebrations there. But wish nothing but happiness and success for you, big man, over the next year. Uh, no doubt going to be a very big one in store for you, my friend. Okay, with that being said, it is a big episode. As I said, everything is it's coming to a crescendo now. We are just about down to our final four teams as we head into conference finals. Um, so therefore, we're going to look at some very quick odds and ends. A couple of quick points I've taken out of the, of the rest of the second round. Uh, before I give my conference finals predictions now... I, I do this with a kind of um, a little bit of apprehension. I'm doing this one kind of time sensitive today because I know very, very shortly as I record this, game six between the Knicks and the Heat will kick off. Likewise, game six of the Warriors-Lakers series will kick off a little bit later today. Um, so I will give my conference finals predictions, uh, banking on that the teams that I've selected actually, in fact, make it. So uh, we'll see how that one goes very shortly. Before we get into it, though, a big shout out to both Stadium Scene and The Cover. I say it week in and week out, and you guys are probably no doubt sick of me saying it, um, but those two networks are doing huge, huge things for us across Australia, New Zealand, the US. Very, very appreciative of all their continued hard work and support of our work here at The Daily Dribble. Uh, It certainly does mean a lot to us. Without further ado, let's get into things, though, guys. Some very quick odds and ends to rattle through, starting first and foremost, with the news that the Detroit Pistons during the week finalised their top candidates for their new head coaching role. Meetings were holding place during the week, but the top three candidates were the overtime elite head coach, Kevin Ollie, the Pelicans assistant coach, Jaron Collins, and the Bucks associate head coach, Charles Lee. Now, for myself, in full transparency, I think I'm a, a bit of a basketball nufty, um, but I wasn't too familiar with any of these head coaches and their past history. Probably most notably for me, Kevin Ollie, the work he's doing there with the Overtime Elite program. Um, But yeah, that being said, I don't have a great understanding of who is probably the best candidate out of these. That being said, whoever gets the the reins here, this is going to be a super fun team to coach, I believe, especially over the course of the next couple of years if they can stick it out. Cade Cunningham coming back, Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran. Who knows, a potential top pick waiting in the wings in maybe Victor Wembenyama or Scoot Henderson. Very young team that has a, a lot to like about them. There is a lot of potential there. Um, and that the key will be getting a good coach that can hopefully unlock that. So very excited to see how things play out there with their new head coach and looking forward into next season as well for the Pistons. We had a couple of announcements during the week regarding all NBA teams, all, all defensive teams and all rookie teams. So we'll start with that one. Um, on the first team, we had Paolo Benchero, Walker Kessler, Jalen Williams, Keegan Murray, and Benedict Matherin. On the second team, Jalen Duran, Tari Eason, Jaden Ivey, Jabari Smith Jr., and Jeremy Sohan from the Spurs there. Now, I think this kind of went pretty well according to plan. Uh, most of these players, you know, the first team for the most part, we knew was pretty pretty set there. Um no doubt, Bancaro, the reigning rookie of the year, very, very comfortable there. Likewise, Walker Kessler in talks for DPOY through three parts of the year there. Likewise, Benedict Matherin, sixth man of the year talks. He was getting 
Um, quite a bit of buzz throughout probably the first third, the first half of the season. Um, but it just shows it's really good to see the talent that the league's continuing to bring in year on year. You know, we kind of think, you, you look at these players, Chris Paul, Steph, LeBron, KD, all these players who are getting towards the back end of their career. And, it, you know, you kind of say it with a bit of a lump in your throat. The opposite side to that is it's nice seeing these players that we've got coming in. And, and likewise, this draft class coming up is going to be stellar in its own right. Um, there's a really good production line of of talent, just keeping that the league. You know, it, it is the best league in the world. So you've got to have the best players to do so. And there's uh, nothing but no shortage of that there. Transitioning to the all-defensive teams. On the first team, we had Jaron Jackson Jr., Brooke Lopez, Alex Caruso, Evan Mobley, and Drew Holiday. Absolutely delighted. Former Lakers man, Alex Caruso, they're getting the nod in the first team. Uh, you know, it's uh, we've kind of got the 2.0 in Austin Reeves. But, uh, you know, it's, he was he was just a barometer for the team, for the Lakers. Uh, likewise, has carried it over to the Bulls there. Been a tremendous pickup. So really, really delighted to see him get that acknowledgement. On the second team, we had Bam Adebayo, OG Ananobi, Dylan Brooks, Draymond Green, and Derek White. Both star-studded lists there. All these 10 players have hung their hat on the defensive end this season and are huge, huge assets to their team. Um, there you go, the Bucks. Booted in the first round, but having two players in the first first team, it's um, it just kind of highlights to their demise in this playoff series against the Heat. So, uh, nevertheless, tremendous work to all those players. But we'll tick across to the big one, the 2022-2023 All-NBA teams. On the first team, we had Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Luka Doncic, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. On the second team, Steph Curry, Donovan Mitchell, Jimmy Butler, Nikola Jokic, and Jalen Brown. And on the third team, Damian Lillard, De'Aaron Fox, LeBron James, Julius Randle, and DeMontis Sabonis. Now, this is the last year that we'll see these teams with the new CBA coming in. Going forward, it's going to be based on playing a minimum of 65 games to be eligible for these teams. And likewise, they're now going to be positionless. So... This is the last iteration of that one. Uh, for the most part, they kind of went the way I thought they would. Probably the big exception there being Dame Lillard um, being in and Ja Morant being snubbed there. Probably as well, Devin Booker missing out was probably a bit stiff. I know he missed a bit of time here and there, but um, likewise, so did Dame. And his team didn't even make the plane. Uh, you probably could have argued that Markinen might have got a nod over Randall. Again, they shut him down towards the back end of the season, but I probably think his track record was good enough to maybe get the nod there. Um, but yeah, in regards to Jar, no doubt coming into play was the off-court turmoil that kind of put a halt on his season throughout the last quarter. He still had a fantastic season, though, averaging 26 points, six rebounds, eight assists, and helped the Grizzlies to the number two seed across the 61 games he played. Whereas for Dame, he averaged 32 points, five rebounds, seven assists across 58 games, so even less than Jar, uh, yet the Blazers weren't even involved in the playing. So, you know, take that how you may. I thought it was probably still a little bit stiff. Um, and in that regard, Jar lost an absolute bag. Now, you know, take nothing away. He is not short of a quid. My man is making bank out here. But uh, Jar's $194 million contract would have jumped to $233 million had he made an All-NBA team. So he's lost nearly $40 million just based on his off-court actions. Uh, very, very disappointing there. Disappointing for him. 
Likewise, I probably still think he should have got a nod in this team, but really, yeah, he has no one to blame but himself. Hopefully, though, this, again, you know, following on from the counselling, following on this just being a bit of a uh, a big factor as well, hopefully this serves as just a catalyst for keeping him on the straight and narrow. Uh, we all know what a phenomenal talent he is when he's playing. Um, and, you know, for the Grizzlies organisation, they have really hung their future on him. The next five to ten years is all about Jar, all about Bain, um, getting the most out of this young core. And, uh, yeah, he's hoping that Jar can keep his head above water. Guys, let's move ahead. The Daily Dribble. Holy Moses Malone, that was a little bit loud. Jeepers creepers. Um, okay, second round recap, guys. Just going to do very quickly a couple of points that have stood out to me over the last week or so. Uh, we did a bit of this last week. We've since had a few more games playing out. Um, but I just want to shout out Lonnie Walker. Now, this shows the power of always being ready. And you can take this with any sport at any age. You know, you look at under-16 sport, there's always probably that one kid who doesn't see as much game time. Um, he's right down the end of the roster. He's kind of just there making up numbers. That being said, there's always a moment where the coach calls upon you and you have got to be ready. And there's no better example than what Lonnie Walker did in the fourth quarter of game four, the Lakers winning that one, 104 to 101. Lonnie just bowled out. Now, the Warriors scored a total of 17 points as a team across the quarter. Lonnie came out and scored 15 alone, was a key catalyst as to why they turned around a third quarter deficit of seven points. He had 15 points, three rebounds, two assists, two steals, and went six of nine from the field with some very tough makes included in that. Like some of these mid-range shots, he was uh, he was just money. And it was awesome, awesome to see. Um, you know, it's probably not the guy. You look at the Lakers, you know, it's a star-studded list. You look at LeBron, you look at AD, you look at D'Lo. Even as you go down the roster, Rui Hachimura, Dennis Schroeder off the bench, the kind of the guys you expect to do um, the bulk of the work. But Darwin called his number. After not seeing many minutes at all in the Grizzlies series, Saw a bit of spot minutes in game three in the Lakers blowout win there. Um, and Darvin Ham saw enough that he liked liked him enough to put him in for, for key minutes in the fourth quarter. And for me, I love the fact Darvin Ham, despite the Lakers getting in front, getting the game back on their terms, he kept the hot hand on the court, didn't pull him out for other starters. And that's just real game, real, like real high quality game awareness, player awareness. Um, you know, you can often see that. Coaches tend to, if a bench player catches fire, once they're back in the game, they'll go back to the to the starters. And I, I disagree with it completely. They're not the players that got you into a, a winning position. It's it's the bench guys. And I think they warrant the ability to go out and try and close the game. And and that's lot, what Lonnie Walker did. So just a big, big shout out there. And that's a key win. That was a win that got them to 3-1 in the series. The Warriors went on to win game five to make it 3-2. We are back. As I record now, looking at the time, we're about four hours away from tip-off in game six. Um, I truly believe, I, I'm I'm really nervous about this one. I think if the Lakers are to win the series, it's got to be done in game six. I would not be looking forward to going back to the Bay Area to play Warriors in game seven. Um, we saw what Steph did in the game seven against the Kings only a week or two ago. It doesn't bode well. Um, that being said, you know, I've got complete and utter faith in this team. And I'm certainly looking forward to seeing them get the job done today, hopefully with another uh, little Lonnie Walker barrage in the fourth quarter there. Crossing over to the Celtics. Now, they got the series back back on terms yesterday against Philly. Massive, massive win there. Um, it looked They looked in pretty ordinary shape, to be fair. 
Um, they won that game 95 to 86 off a 24 to 13 last quarter. Um, going into that last, last quarter, it kind of looked like the series could be over. Jason Tatum was having an absolute stinker with zero of 10 from the field at halftime. And when you see that, you kind of think, oh, it's just not your day. It is not your day. Um, they were able to claw it out, though, send this, this series to a game seven. But the question I have is, will the Celtics be able to cross the hump with this core? Now, with the news coming out regarding All-NBA selections, both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are set to have their contracts increased to plus $300 million. If you're going to keep both of them, which ideally you would, it's really going to limit the pieces you can put around them. And I think if one or two of these you know, role players they've got at the moment go by the wayside, are Brown and Tatum good enough to get you, get you to a title? You know, with a pretty ordinary cast, can you, you know, hitch the cart to them and can they get you to the promised land? They've come close before, uh, only last year making the NBA finals this year with a sniff as well. But I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit worried about where they're at going forward. Um, I don't think personally with that duo, they're good enough to get you a title pretty well by themselves. Um, and I think at the moment, the way things are going, I, I'm really liking the look of Jalen Brown as a number one guy on a team. I would love to see what he could do running the show um, purely. At the moment, he's kind of a 1B. He's a he's a two he's a one B to a two at the moment. He plays second fiddle to Tatum. Yet despite that, throughout the playoffs, he's probably been their number one, especially in terms of consistency. We spoke about last week the possibility of maybe going to Houston, um, linking up with a Doka there. That's certainly still on the cards, and certainly something to uh, to take note of as we head into a into the off season. But with where the Celtics are at the moment, and I would love to have Ro on this episode to ask him if he genuinely believes they're good enough. I think the teams in the league in the East and in the West as well, if they're to make the NBA finals, all the teams in the league are just getting better. Um, And if you're losing your role players, I don't know how much better Tatum and Brown can get. You know, they've kind of crossed, they're they're still, you know, both very, very young, Um, still a little bit of development to go, but they're kind of in that phase now. And we saw, we saw it with Jordan. Jordan took his lumps. He got beaten by the Celtics, beaten by the Pistons, and then he crossed the hump. He crossed the hump, became the greatest of all time, arguably, winning titles year after year after year. It kind of feels like the Celtics are at that point at the moment where they're about to cross the hump. But whether they do or whether they don't is really, um, I think it hinges on their front office. What they do this offseason, uh, who they keep, whether they sign both Brown and Tatum, um, You know, there's a lot of moves to be made. There are a lot of moving parts. I just believe at the moment this iteration is not quite good enough to get them an NBA title. So um, take that as you may. I'm sure that'll get quite a lot of backlash. We have quite a lot of Beantown Boys supporters out there. Um, So let me know, guys. Hit us up on our socials, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok. Let us know what you think. Can the Celtics, moving forward, can they stay title relevant with just Brown and Tatum? There you go. Let me know. Moving ahead to the Knicks, their game's tipping off in about an hour and 15 minutes. Game six against the Miami Heat down in South Beach there. The Knicks, this is a fascinating game. The Knicks have been a real Jekyll and Hyde team this series. Uh, They've certainly looked better in the last few games since Quentin Grimes has come into the forefront. Uh, I think Tibbs might have missed the trick by not going to him earlier in the series. Currently down 3-2. All hinges on going back today in Miami. Um, But it really took... It took their best in game five. 
They were looking after that first quarter. They shot absolute bricks. That, that was a hard watch. They scored 14 points in the fourth quarter of game five. We're trailing 24 to 14. Uh, but it, it just, uh, Tibbs went to the well. He played both Brunson and Grimes, 48 minutes. They did not sit at all. Brunson was huge in this one with 38 points, nine rebounds, seven assists. But it just begs the question, is that sustainable? Is that a sustainable way of playing game six and possibly game seven to have two players, maybe three in this one, playing at least or playing the full game? We know Tibbs is notorious for it. I don't think that's a recipe for success. For as good as you are, for as good as your engine might be, there has got to be a point to sit. Um, And, you know, they were able to grind it out game five. Fair play. Game six, again, they're still going to be on tired legs. Brunson and Grimes in particular. But you look at Barrett. He played 38 minutes. Uh, big minutes being logged by these boys. So I think this one could end today in South Beach. I think Jimmy Butler will take over. By the time you listen to this show, the game will probably have come and gone. So you can uh, see how well my comments have aged there. Uh, but I think for the Knicks, moving forward into the offseason, you know, Lee and I got into a bit of a heated discussion last week regarding their center stocks. And I think if they're to be a genuine title contending team or a genuine playoff force. Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hartenstein just probably aren't it. Um, you look at the talent that is in the East in the big man stocks, and we spoke about it last week. Brooke Lopez, Joel Embiid, even Bam. I don't think their center stocks are good enough to contend. Um, so I think in the offseason, that is an area I would be looking to address there if I was the New York Knickerbockers. Speaking of which, guys, let's transition into my finals Conference finals predictions. Daily dribble. <clears throat> okay. As I said, you'll have to take this with a grain of salt. I don't completely have the full picture yet. We still have a couple of game sixes and a game seven yet to go. Only one team has officially locked in their position in the conference finals. That being the Denver Nuggets with an absolute obliteration of the Phoenix Suns. Um, just touching on the Suns. What another disappointing season it's been. Acquiring KD uh, and bowing out in the second round. That's uh, that's very disappointing. It's disappointing to see them limp out in a must-win game again. We saw it last season against Dallas. They got absolutely waxed. We're somewhat reminiscent yesterday in their game six loss. Um, to be honest, the score probably flatters them. Denver won that one, 125 to 100. The way it was going, though, it could have, it could have been a lot, lot more. Um, you know, Denver just looks so good at the moment. They are probably, for me, my title pick. Um, but for Phoenix, you know, back to the drawing board, come again next season. That being said, though, Chris Paul's not getting any younger. DeAndre Ayton, could he potentially be on the outer? He struggled this playoff series. Uh, they've got to have a good hard look at themselves because, again, somewhat like the Celtics I just posed, can they get over that hump? They got very close a couple of years ago, going to the NBA Finals, bowing out against the Bucks. They've been one of the best regular season teams over the last couple of years but they haven't reached their potential yet. And especially, as I said, with acquiring KD, their thoughts this year uh, would have been title. Title as a minimum. Uh, and they failed to even reach the conference finals. So very disappointing to see them bow out in that uh, almost a whimpering manner. That was really um, just kind of disheartening. If you're a Phoenix fan, to see them bow out was really a fight. Uh, but all fair play in the world to the Nuggets. They look dominant and almost unstoppable at this point. So let's progress into our conference finals predictions. We'll start actually in the Eastern Conference. 
I will base these predictions on the teams I think in the game sixes and sevens who are going to make it. Um, and we'll go from there. We'll see how these age. In the Eastern Conference, I've got the 76ers playing host to the Miami Heat. Now, I initially said in the Boston-Philly series, I said Philly in seven. They're going to have to do it on the road now. Um, I don't feel quite as comfortable as I did the other day. But I've, I've got to stick with this pick. I've got to stick with them. I, I gave them the nod going into the series. So I'm giving the 76ers the nod. Um, the Miami Heat, I think they get it done today down in South Beach. They've continued to defy the odds and have now set up potentially an eight seed versus third seed matchup with the 76ers. Haven't checked the latest timeline for return, but I think the Heat will really be relying on Tyler Hero coming back just to give them that additional firepower to mix it up and really contend with Philly. Because at the moment, if you look at both teams' offensive stocks, Philly certainly dominate this area. Uh, I worry about the MVP. I worry about Joel Embiid. I think he'll be such a big problem to handle. And Bam being slightly undersized there, um, I think this could uh, be a bit of a decimation. Therefore, I've got Philly winning in five. Likewise, I think if Boston were to make it, I'm going to have them winning in five as well. Take nothing away from the hate. They've had a terrific run, certainly defied the odds, as I said. But I just think they might, whoever they come up against here, I think they'll be outclassed. So uh, we'll stick with Philly. Got Philly winning that one in five games. Progressing over to the Western Conference, I'm give, I've am i got Denver playing host to the LA Lakers. Uh, again, I think the Lakers get it done today. Game six versus the Warriors over there in Crypto Bank Arena. Uh, the question, though, is how do the Warriors... Oh, sorry, forgive me. How do the Lakers stop Jokic? And in fairness, I don't... They probably don't. Uh, I think the key to their success here in this series, the Lakers will be limiting the output of, of Jamal Murray, of MPJ... Aaron Gordon, KCP, who's been hitting some big shots as of late, um, and let Jokic just try and score 50 points a night. You know, if that's – he can certainly do it. We saw him do it against Phoenix. Let him try and do have to do that every night and just limit the supporting cast. Uh, for me, I think the Lakers, they need to get more consistency out of D'Lo and AD in particular. Both have been very, very hit and miss from game to game. And to beat the Nuggets, they're going to have to be at their best. Everyone is going to have to be at their best. Um that being said, I say it, you know, it's one of those, do you go with your head? Do you go with your heart? I've got to go with my heart on this one. There is no way I can back against the Lakers. I'm going to take them in seven games in what is going to be an absolutely enthralling series, I believe. If I had uh, the voice of logic here, I would be probably saying the Nuggets. I think they go on to win the title from here. But uh, as, a, as a Lakers man, I cannot go against them. So we're going to go Lakers in seven thus setting up a Lakers, a Lakers and Philly final. There you go. I've called it early. Um, there is the potential for that to go completely off a cliff, uh, depending on how these the remainder of the conference semifinals matchups go. But nevertheless, whatever teams play out, guys, it is going to be terrific to watch. Both the East and the West are going to be hard-fought contests, vying for the right to face off in the NBA finals for the right to be called NBA champion for season 2022-2023. I'm pumped. I'm absolutely buzzing for it. And I think all you guys out there would be as well. Um, myself, Lee, Rowe, we'll be all back next week to discuss another massive week. We will be well and truly into the conference finals by that point. So looking at everything that's played out up to date on that one. Guys, very appreciative for all the continued support. 
be sure to keep it coming. Subscribe wherever you listen to the show, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, as well as continuing to stay up to date with all of our socials, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok for all the latest news across the NBA and NBL. On the NBL front, still in off-season, um, we'll be looking at bringing that one back probably mid to late July. We'll see how we go, time pending, um, you know, but certainly looking forward to getting into that one very, very soon. That being said, guys, have a fantastic week. Enjoy the rest of the conference semifinals, going into the conference finals. I'm looking forward to getting this episode up very, very shortly and then tuning in to see the Lakers get it done against the Warriors in Game 6. Guys, till next week, though, take care, and I can't wait to speak again with you soon. Bye.